I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. Stones on a board, but who is moving us and why? And that is from page 75 of The Great Hunt, which sums up so much of this opening chapter. I, it's <laughs> We don't really have any pre-discussion notes today. Um, you know, as per usual, we're rereading the books in advance of the TV show adaptations release. We're talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And as Jen just said, we are starting The Great Hunt today. Ah! Uh... I was like, we're, you know, we're doing the prologue through chapters, through chapter 10. And I think about seven or eight chapters in, I was like, oh, this is, this is just like a horror novel. This is just horror. (laughs) It's just, at this point, it's just scary and gory. Yeah, it really, that was the first thing I was thinking was that it really ramps up both the, like, dark friend sinisterness of, which then goes on to underlie the entire book, and it, the, like, creep factor is so high, and I know, like, there are sections that are really high in the eye of the world, but it just, especially with that prologue, it just dives right in. And then does not stop. Yeah, so let's let's talk about this this terrifying prologue <laughs> from the perspective of the man who called himself Bors. My note just says, "Holy shit, creepy!" <laughs> like the entire thing is so. This the the man who calls himself Bors is is our uh, conduit, I guess, into this arena of dark friends who are there to serve Baalzaman and learn what their goals are and what they're supposed to be doing in service to their master in return for which they've they're promised eternal life and glory and to rule over the new age of the world or whatever or whatever or whatever it's (laughs) it's it's a little unclear and even like Bors himself is like like questioning a little bit which I appreciate you know or yeah when um you know, Balzaman finally speaks to him to tell him what he is expected of him. Uh, Balzaman says, you know, uh, the dragon or whatever, this, they will serve me whether in this age or the next. And Boris has this moment of like, what does he, the next day? What's the point of doing this if it's right. not in my age? Yeah. What? <laughs> like, it needs to happen while I'm around for it, right? Like, that's what I signed up for. <laughs> But then also, he really at this point doesn't have a choice. I mean, he, well, I guess you always have a choice, but he doesn't seem to feel like he does. And the, I, honestly, one of the creepiest parts of that whole section to me was like, it's like a magic version of the Clockwork Orange, like, yeah, image reprogramming thing that happens to him. Like, he sees these visions that even he is not like 100% registering them as they go. And it's incredibly painful and like, weird and when it's done he basically is told like some things are too important for even the person who is supposed to do them to know about so like he's been subconsciously programmed to do some shit like that is creepy that's so creepy super the whole thing is is horrifying you know from the beginning where um we see various people from across this land like illyrians and people from Tyr and and all these places and something that struck me was like even a tinker was there which yeah it 
I like was like, oh, so no, no one's safe. Like no one, right. like they can be anywhere. There's clearly someone from Tarvalon, so we know like mm-hmm. the there are Aes Sedai involved and in, and in serving battles among the Black Aja. <sighs> <laughs> And they have these wonderful, I really enjoy the imagery uh, in this chapter where, you know, Jordan is set, setting it up and it's like, no one can trust anyone. Everyone's wearing these masks and there are these servants circling around um, who are kind of like dead eyed and. They're probably dead. Let's yeah, be real. Like they're, they're probably, probably actually dead. They're probably dead. It's very creepy and weird. It's, I mean, that's the, this is the tone of this entire yeah. I didn't remember this. I didn't remember no. how unsettling and like how anxious I was. Like, there's one chapter that I just ended in like all caps, like anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, so you get that whole thing right, and then so you go straight into chapter one where Rand is training with Lan, and the wind tries to kill him. Like, it's like it's so. There's no. There's no breaks. It's just there's no horrifying peace. from. From the get-go and yeah. then continue. And the thing with what this prologue does is set you up to not trust anybody as the chapters yeah. go on. Every single new character that is introduced, and there are several new perspectives and new characters introduced in this um, section that we're reading today. You're like, are you a dark friend? Or like, even previous characters for that matter. Oh, yeah, totally. We don't know some of these people. We have no idea. We don't know who to trust anymore. And so... Like, we get clues in the prologue, right? Like, there's this, um, the sea folk with the, like, uh, the tattoo on his mm-hmm. hand. There's mm-hmm. just, there, there are, like, hints of who these people are. And so it's just enough that you don't know, but you're thinking about it while you're reading the rest of the book. Yeah. And so you can never quite feel safe for mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah. Ugh. I hate it. Yeah. I love it, but I hate it. Like, I, I hate one, it a lot. I have to say that this is also weird timing because there's a lot of talk about conspiracies right now it's in so much. the United States. And I was just like, this is not the best time for me to be reading about a conspiracy of evil that is, like, global in this world. And, like, and obsessed infiltrating. With about. Yeah, it, it's just really... And it, it got me thinking a lot, actually, about how conspiracies are portrayed in fantasy and sci-fi. And, I and like, what the responsibility of an author is to, like, versus what the responsibility of a reader is to read critically and not just, you know, receive a vision of how things are and extrapolate that vision to other things. I don't know. I got, like, very into, like art and reality and how they mesh and like what how the art we read shapes our views of what mm-hmm. we're reading in real time and I it like it, it was it was a weird rabbit hole that I fell down so my brain let me just tell you my brain is kind of a disaster right now I, yeah. so I apologize in advance I think we're gonna see uh I because I, I was in the same position where I did the bulk of my reading today basically I read almost all of it today um (laughs) and it it was a lot of like oh this is hitting very close to home with the news that I can't stop reading also because everything's falling apart because there is a mass like 
there's an issue with immense and intensive conspiracy theory and misinformation in this country yeah. and and people who haven't been taught how to discern right media literacy me- media literacy essentially yeah and there's a lot of that in this of like mm-hmm. you can't trust anybody and the goal is to infiltrate and take over and like yeah. you don't know what anybody's intentions are and like the whole thing and with leandrin propaganda. yeah <sighs> yeah yeah and really... this is where it's gonna get hard not to get we're we're gonna be very good about spoilers but we're gonna have to react as if we we don't know things that we yeah. i think do know yeah something well, some of them I've... Some I can't remember. Some I'm pretty sure I remember and some I can't remember. So honestly, I think it's probably for the best that we're not going to call out any specific characters because there's some I'm like, wait a minute. I don't, I can't remember. Like, it's really, I'm I'm like bracing myself. <laughs> there's really only one big thing that I remember that made me kind of sit up and, and be like, oh, like right. in, in this section, um, the rest of it same like I don't there's so much that I was like I don't remember who you are but we'll get to that um I did want to mention that because it's gonna be important presumably you know Bal's Montel's Boars you're going to return to Terabon and continue your good works good as italicized so we don't Mm -hmm. know that's clearly important we don't know what it means we get an implication that he is a white cloak by the end of the prologue but he's a white cloak. Well, they say that he pulls the white cloak out, right? Oh, right. That's true. Yeah. Like, they don't straight up, like, confirm it 100%, but it is, like, 99% confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Um, through implication. Uh, and he says, thirdly, regarding those who have landed at Toman Head and the Domani of this, you will speak to no one when you return to Terabon, and then we don't get what he is actually supposed to do. Right. But because Toman Head and Terabon and these names come up again and again and again as these chapters go on, it's like always in the back of your head. He's just so good at like freaking Jordan like infiltrates your brain. Yeah. So that <laughs> like well, I haven't like all caps like betrayal. <laughs> yeah. So so and then to just like give a quick uh, recap that all of the dark friends are told to look for the three boys from Eamon's field. They're not told who they are or like what precisely they like should do, but they're all like shown them. And told yeah. To them. And it was kind of funny because they show um, Matt first and Matt's just kind yeah. of this this boy like there's nothing special about him. Uh, and then you get Perrin with his yellow eyes and Rand with the hair and marked blade. And so Boris only reacts to Rand and Perrin. Yeah. Like, he's kind of shocked by seeing this kid with the hair and marked blade um, and the yellow eyes. Like, it's it's a little, I think it's from a pacing standpoint and because Matt's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a little frustrating that we're like two books in and he's still kind of not fully fleshed out as a character yet. Yeah. You know. We're going to get there. I know. I know we're we gonna are. We're going to get there. It's going to happen. There's also uh, there, we do get a lot about this character of Boris though where you see him like kind of irritated. First of all, he clearly thinks he's better than everybody. Yeah. Like he's like I'm the smartest one here. Like, I know exactly what's going on. I know how to, like, hold myself. And so no one's going to know who I am. 
he gets irritated that the servant kind of speaks about them as if they are at the same level. Like there's that mm-hmm. hierarchical thinking. And so it's not like the biggest shock in the world when the white cloak comes out, but I still really like yeah. it. Like I really enjoy how he builds this characterization to a very logical point that you wouldn't have gotten to on your own. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. All right. And so then we go to the blight and we see Rand and Lan training. And Lan is like, why are you still here? <laughs> it's it's wild. So they're training. And like you said, this like bananas yeah, shit happens with the right. wind. Like yeah. there is this line, though, is like, I love how we lead into it with the wind and this like this scent of death that slowly gets eroded <laughs> away as it comes. And, and again, it's back to one of those like intangible fears that Jordan's so good at that you can't touch you can't hold you can't cut it it just exists and you just have to run or else you'll be impacted by it um but i did like the first interaction of rand getting kind of hit with this wind and it says he did not connect the smell with the image of an old grave fresh open that flashed through his head like straight up horror (laughs) like absolutely horror yeah yep 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 And, but I, like, this is, so for me, this was almost immediately the start of me, like, losing all of my positive feelings about Rand in frustration. Yeah, I did get, like, almost, I was like, oh, dang, like, that didn't take me long at all. (laughs) Because it's like, why? It's so, so, okay, so they're training, and then they find out. That this whole delegation from Tarvalon has arrived, including the Amarillin seat. And, like, Rand should have left. We- it's been, like, three weeks or something from the the last time we saw them. And, and, and he is just, like, waiting around for kind of, like, he just, he doesn't want to leave a gleam, which, like, okay, fine. But, like, he knows that things are messed up and... And now he's going to try to leave when, like, they're right there. I know, but, okay, I think that we get a lot of reasoning as to why from the conversation he has with Lan, who I love, like, what a soft man Lan is in these sections. Like, he's so, like, he's, like, talking about love and, like, making sure these kids are okay and giving the name gifts. And it's just like, like it's Lan has now, it's like Lan recognizes his position as a warder. He recognizes that he's there to aid Moiraine and protect Moiraine, but he's willing to step outside the lines a little bit in order to like keep these kids from getting too intensely like held up which i really like yeah you know he really comes into his own as a character he does i think where we get to yeah. see him as more than just this like soldier essentially yeah. um it's i love i i just i live for lana and nave so anytime lana yeah. is like when he says love is an odd thing Land sounded suddenly weary, as odd and as odd a thing as there is. <laughs> because he's like, Do you want, are you in love with Egwene? Like, do you think she's just gonna, what, give up on her dreams? Right. To right. come with you? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. Can we very briefly, before we go on, talk about the sword fighting technique names? <laughs> do you, was it you who did that post? Yeah. Yes. So Preeti did this post way back in the day when we had our what the what column 
that was was it Kama Sutra or Sword Forms? Was yeah, that the quiz. <laughs> it was like horrible Kama Sutra names that like poorly translated for sure, or yeah. sword technique from the Wheel of Time. From the Wheel of Time. Because I'm sorry, the first one he says is parting the silk. <laughs> we are ten. Heron waiting in the rushes. I know. I know. <laughs> It cracks me up how funny you think it is. It's like every time there's a sword technique, I'm like, you must sheed the sword. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. It makes me cry. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's so funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so the the uh, I said I show up, and, and we find out that the Amerlin... <laughs> We practiced saying it a few times before we started recording. I realize that I'm reading in my head it's Amralyn, which is Amralyn, which is not oh, correct. No. So Amralyn, <laughs> the Amralyn <laughs> seat has come in person, which was very unexpected. And like you said, Lan is like, you should have left weeks ago. Rand is scared and he doesn't want to necessarily leave Egwene or his friends or whatever. But now that she's here, Lan's kind of like, mm, you're, <laughs> you're shit out of luck, bro. Yeah, and then this is one of my favorite <clears throat> things that happens to Rand, slash also least favorite because of how it contributes to how annoying he gets. But Moiraine, he goes back, so he's, like, trying to, like, suddenly leave, even though it's already too late. And he goes back to pack his stuff, and he finds that all of his clothes yeah. have been replaced it was by like, Moiraine. It was, like, Stacy and Clinton, right, from What Not to Wear showed up, yeah, and we're, right. like, hideous, throwing it away, hideous, yeah. throwing it away. <laughs> And, like, they're all really fancy now. And, and we've also so been upset. told that because of the Althor, uh, like, naming construction that he has, and in, in Shinar, Al is means lord, like, it's a royal prefix or whatever. So everybody keeps, like, oh, he's, like, a southern lord, even though he's not. And this has already become a thing. And then now he's got all these fancy clothes and, like, he's just like, oh, I'm just, I'm a sheep herder from two rivers. He's just trying so hard. I mean, it's it's hard because you're reading this all from his perspective and he's clearly just, like, intensely impacted by what happened at the end of the Eye of the World. And, like, yeah, of is course. clearly going through something, maybe has, you know, some some ptsd happening and mm. so he's panicking internally constantly of like yeah. i am tam outdoor's son i am his son this the mm. sword proves it like i am his son you cannot take this away from me you cannot take away my identity and it's that i i, I think it's that like intensive fear of the loss of who he thinks he is and yeah. everybody telling him whether it's a moiraine putting him in a costume that doesn't feel like him or you know Egwene telling him what to do or whatever it is he's just bucking up against this and he just like panics and tries to get the fuck out of there right but he's also paralyzed when he needs to be moving like it's very yeah he like can't figure out when he should stay and when he should go i mean so um, he tries to he yeah. tries to like pack his bags he's like all right i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna go can't get a horse because he's told that actually no one is any no one's allowed to leave no one's allowed to like take any horses out so then he just tries to leave on his <clears throat> on on foot and the, these two guards at the gates are like no we have orders no one else is like no one's allowed to leave right now right um and so then he leaves and he's like oh like he runs into loyal 
and Matt and yeah, Karen, and then the he like Harry and the Hendersons, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no, Who needs no, you? I'm too good for Nobody you. I don't need you. you. Yeah. You're laughing, but I was just like, ugh. I'm only laughing because it's just like such a, it's it's one of my like least favorite tropes in lit. It's like not my favorite thing. So I appreciate that it blows up in his face spectacularly. (laughs) Like turns out he can't leave and everybody's just mad at him. Right. And then Egwene hides him in the women's quarters, which is hilarious. Um, Well, first she takes him to the dungeons. Oh, that's true. You're right. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, so she, like, I mean, he's kind of, like, it's it's a great sequence, actually, because he's panicking, and so you're kind of going with him as he's, like, just, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? He, like, tries to ask Loyal if there's, like, a secret way out, and Loyal's, like, no, sorry. Like, I, no, can't help you, and then he's mean to him and goes off. Um, yeah. Same with Perrin and Matt. Egwene, I do absolutely 100%, like, one of my favorite, favorite things is when she, like, fucking tackles him. Yes! It's so good. It's on page 37. <laughs> I was like, where is it? away from her. It's like, you have, like, it's literally, like, 20 pages of rising panic, I feel like. It's yeah. just, like, yeah. him, like, he's like, the Emerald Seat was there and there was no way out, no way out, and the Emerald Seat was there. You know, it's like all this panic, and then he finally, yes, runs into Egwene. <laughs> she just, like, fucking tackles him and sits on his back and is like, I am going to help you. Yeah. And you need to relax. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And it's so, like... It's just really funny. It is. It's, it is. It's a really great dynamic. Their dynamic is so fun. I, Yeah, their dynamic is great. I will say a note for Egwene, which they uh, they do point out, is that, you know, initially her instinct is to bring him to the dungeon because she's been visiting Fane. And you're like, what are you doing? I know. She, she's so... Fearless, it's like a problem. It's fearless, and it's also like I think it's two pronged. It's like she has too much empathy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's her homesickness that she doesn't want to recognize, like coming out yeah. in a bad way. Yeah. You know, like Rand has that moment of like I shouldn't have isolated myself, and like Matt's been dicing, and Perrin's like too quiet and going through his own shit right now, and so she has to like talk to Fane. Right. And that's not fair, obviously. Like, Egwene is an adult and makes her own decisions yeah. and it's not, you know, whatever. But it is that kind of, like, I like that we get to see her be this, like, <laughs> I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to tell you what's what. But also, I'm also a kid and I am also making these horrible right. decisions, even though <clears throat> yeah. I know they're not right because I have not asked my reign about it. I'm just right. doing it. I'm going to ask forgiveness after getting caught. Yeah. And then they go down there and it's horrifying. And it's horrifying. Yeah, it's totally horrifying. Can we rewind for one second? Because I had this note that I forgot to bring up. So going back to where Rand is trying to pack, I want to call out here that this is the start of what is a repeated theme of basically sexual harassment. Yeah, super weird. Yeah, at the start of chapter two, when he's like trying to pack and change and the, you know, 
woman in charge is like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to leave the room. Like, you can't make me. And it's like, there, I, like, obviously there's, you know, he's not used to communal baths, which, okay, fine. There's cultural differences. But then this, like, the way Jordan writes it is that all the women are then constantly trying to make him uncomfortable and, like, see him naked. That's sexual harassment. Like, it is. It is. It's very... Yeah. And the way it's, like, joked off in here, I find really off-putting. I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, uh, this is only something women have to go through, and that's not true. Mm. You know? It's like, if it happens to a man, they should be thankful that a woman is interested in them. Right. It's, Whereas... It's a terrible double standard. It's, and... it's a weird double standard where it's like, it can be used for humor against a man. And, like, obviously there are, it's a far more complex issue in terms of looking yeah. at the way sexual harassment affects various genders. But I think that's where this is coming from, of, like, that idea of, like, oh, it's so funny that a woman would do this. And it's, it's so stupid. It still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just – it still sucks, especially when it's coming from people where the power structure is clearly, yeah. like, he does not have more power. Right. right. You know? Yeah. I just hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Side note. Okay. This, speaking of other things I hate, I hate Padden Fane. I hate him. Yeah. I hate this whole sequence in the dungeon with, like, them going to visit and him being, like, an absolute nightmare. Creepy. Yeah. It sucks pretty bad. I, I wrote something in the margins and I don't, I can't read my own writing, so I don't know what it says. But <laughs> he, when he says that <laughs> chant, when he starts chanting oh. that, like, Soon comes the day all shall be free, even you and even me. Soon comes the day that I shall that all shall die. Surely you, but never I. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and he name drops Mortis, which is a name we haven't heard since Shadow Logo. Yep, which is a little out of place here. So foreshadowing there. Yeah, there's a lot here that that uh, Fane is foreshadowing and kind of just. You it it adds to the general sense of unease that we have not stopped feeling. I think yeah. since the beginning of the book, mm. um, it just kind of adds like that's what this the this whole like this is we read almost two hundred pages and the entire thing is just a slow escalation of fear and anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> read the Wheel of Time, folks. It's great. Right. <laughs> Do you need more anxiety in your life? Guess what we got for you? The Great <laughs> Hunt. Because <laughs> you're right. You know, it, it's he's like laughing in the dark and he's no. creepy and it's and weird. And the guards are all being weird and because the you other prisoners right. are freaking like, out. You shouldn't have let his weird, like, dark friend, Gollum ass, like, stay around any people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he says, the battle's never done, Althor. Mordeth knows it's never over. Never. And you're like... Uh, <sighs> poor Rand is like I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, and then we get uh, Moraine focused POV. Yeah, interacting with these other eyes to die, and I think this is where it really becomes clear that she is kind of acting under her own motivations. Like, I'm not sure how clear it was in the Eye of the World. That she's sort of off-roading here. Like, that she's she's not just serving the interests of Tarvalin. Like, she maybe has, like, a secret mission of her own. I think it comes clear in the eye of the world when she catches up to them and finds out Rand has spoken to another Aes Sedai. 
Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. I think that's the moment you kind of realize that Moiraine is not representative of all Aes Sedai or even like what Tarvalin stands for. Yeah. Because she is like, we need to leave immediately. Right. Like there are clearly factions. There are clearly like disagreements, which we, we talked about. Because I think Land straight up says that then later on in the eye of the world. Right, right. That they're not all the same and whatever. But but we really see it in this chapter. Yeah. Probably. You know, there are 14 Aes Sedai who have come. And we get to meet a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to mention this moment of what is clearly like a running theme of, I think, the Wheel of Time in general, which is the the kind of importance of narrative and the strength of narrative, which we kind of talked about in relation to the pattern and this idea of like, you know, the pattern is the story that is happening. But... Moiraine talks about how, or she's from her perspective, we're hearing about how she has all these like tales told about her, and depending upon what tales and what Aes Sedai came, what they believe about her will mm. decide kind of where the narrative ends up going. Mm. But it ends with, you know, on page 46, um, she decides why she's wearing this little glass crystal, which doesn't really mean anything, but it 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 represents all these things. And she Mm -hmm. says, um, the crystal might put them off balance because of the tales. And it's just this running theme that will occur of like how important, how narrative can pull you to where you need to be. Like later they'll talk about false dragons keep popping up because the pattern says they have to. And Rand will be the dragon reborn because the story asks for it. Right. And it's just like a really interesting way of looking at the story that Jordan is telling and the lens like using that as the lens through which to view the like inevitability of everything, right? Right, right. Narrative as imperative. Yes. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome. It's very cool. Um yeah. but we we meet the first outside of I of Alada. Alada. Yeah. Um we meet the first I said I that like uh, I, I guess we meet like the first group of Aes Sedai to show that they are all like drastically different characters. Yeah, I hate yeah. Leandrin. Well, obviously she's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst. Okay, but before we get into Leandrin, because we don't, we just know that Moiraine doesn't like her initially. Yeah, um, and then we get this whole scene between Moiraine and the Amarlin seat whose name we're all going to say 5,000 different ways. Siwen. Siwen. It's not in the back, for the record. Why? (laughs) And it's not, yeah, I know. I don't understand. How can you have that many vowels in a row and not tell me how you want me to say them? Siwen. Very frustrating. Anyway, I always said swan, but I don't know that that's right. Um, So you get this whole scene with them where they're like, the Emerlin has to pretend to discipline her but mm-hmm. secretly they're in cahoots, which is fun. Yeah, I do really love that moment where she's like kind of chastising her in front of um, Leanne. Yeah. And yeah. then Leanne, she like sends her away and they hug and they're like, yeah. they're just friends who are these like very incredible circumstances, essentially. Um, I do really love this line where Moiraine comes in and Suen already has the box 
yeah. that has the horn and right. um can we hope- just pause for a second yes. i literally i was like what's in the box like i did not remember <laughs> i was like what is that box what is it and it took where them, did it like, come from it took 10 minutes to say oh it's the horn and i was like oh right they found the horn <laughs> but i literally was sitting there they're like what's in the fucking box <laughs> So there's there's this great moment because she has it and Moiraine had intended to give it to her and kind of explain what was going on and she says events it was a worrisome trifle like even though it's minor it was worrisome events could be outpacing her and I love that idea right. of like Moiraine is like I have to control this like I have to essentially control the narrative I have to I have to yeah. be able to like figure out what's going on and the only way I can do that is if I decide who gets what information first because even with Sue and later she's like I can't let her know everything even right. though they're in it together and it's like very scary what they're doing which is going yeah. up against all these they're they're trying to do something great but without the aid of sisters who won't understand right like right. we get a lot about the politics of Tarval in here yeah and so much we again it's our first glimpse at the politics of the actual group and it's unstable, which is scary. Yeah. It's, you have, it's like too real. You have this person who like, they're saying, you know, uh, Suen is saying, I am the Amaralyn and I am supposed to represent all of Tarvalin, not just the blue Aja, even though that's where I came from. And they are saying the implication is that I yeah. am still only representing the blue Aja. And you're like, ah, <laughs> why is this so real? I know. Partisan politics, y'all. <laughs> They're everywhere. They couldn't use other colors? I know. <laughs> Apparently not. There's only two colors in the world. <clears throat> uh, anyway, yeah. So we get all of this politics stuff. And we also get this interesting sort of... I don't want to say this, like this a little bit deeper understanding of this concept of stilling versus gentling. Yeah, I wanted about, to talk about that. Yeah, we've heard a lot about what it means to gentle a male power user, mm-hmm. but we have not heard that much about stilling before now. And so now, like, even though there's two different words for it, it's basically the same it's thing. It's basically the same thing, but I do think it's the word choice is very important Yeah, and very specifically gendered through the perspective of what men are and what women are, which I don't love. Like this idea of men have to be gentler and, and quieter and meeker and women just have to shut up and stay still and not, and kind of hold, like hold themselves in. It's just like, like one brings to notion, uh, you are you are too strong, too too hard, too whatever, and you need to be broken and softened. And the other is like you move too much, too much progress, right. too much you know whatever, and you need to be stopped right. and stilled. It's it's really intense when you consider yeah. the like actual word choice. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. Uh, yeah, so lots of politics, lots of, like, discussions of prophecies and what they're going to do about them. And then, super interestingly, I think in terms of juxtaposing these two groups, that same chapter after we've had this whole 
Moiraine, Suan, you know, confab about everything. Then we jump mid-chapter to the Children of the Light. Well, who are okay, like, yes. Really quick before that, though, yeah. I, I did want to talk about how this is kind of the first time we're getting explicitly told what Moiraine's plans are. Mm, that's true. Like, literally. And, and it's sort of a red herring because it doesn't come to pass. For yeah. the most part, in terms of like what she had anticipated, like it it doesn't it doesn't. Um, but she is straight up tells us, which has not happened before. Of like, I'm going to do this. Rand has to be let go because of this, and mm-hmm. I will be there to pick up the pieces when he needs me. And it's right. it's so later when Rand sees them and sees her and and Varen as these kind of like little spiders watching him, you're like, that's not inaccurate. That's (laughs) straight. That's, that's kind of what that's, that's what's happening. Um, But yeah, yeah, then it does, it goes to Bornhald. Yes. Who is the captain, Lord captain commander of the children of the light, um, who is getting these orders that he doesn't understand and interacting with, people who like maybe we recognize Uh, yeah I mean it's this is the book where I realized uh, it's like the POV changes like I I remember now where I get like super annoyed where it's like I'm in the middle of characters I care about I don't want to go to characters I don't care about like you I need to know what's going on with the people that I spent 800 pages with <laughs> too bad breezy this is just the start of i know which is but yeah so we get to we get like it's a very interesting very abrupt switch from moiraine and swan to bornhold and this whole white cloak situation and that's the quote from the beginning that i picked stones on a board but who's moving us because that really is the theme of this whole first section is like Who's doing what and why? And mm-hmm. like, how are they positioning other people? Um, and how are they being positioned in the context of, interestingly enough, everybody is in the context of Archer Hawkwing. Like, right. yes, yes, constant reference. Constant. Yeah, yeah. And then another POV switch to an even worse narrator, Leandrin. I hate <laughs> Leandrin. I hated this section. I remember how much I hated this section. And I remember, like, it is, it's, it's just, after you go, like, literally you go from Rand's rising panic to yeah. Moraine's rising panic. Because she's <laughs> like, why is Suen being so weird? Like, where is the fire of my friend? to freaking Bornhold who talks to those weirdo questioners and like kill an entire village to keep it quiet to fucking Leandrin who's like a total evil creep and so mean to this nice lady. I know. She's throwing books in the fire and using her powers to hurt people and just awful. She's like a spiteful little. Oh, oh. And then, as if that's not enough, the chapter ends with three paragraphs of Pat and Fame. And you're just like, oh, oh God, God right. Why? So, like, okay, really quick with Leandrin is, like, Leandrin has this run-in with Engelmar's sister. I'm, I'm Alyssa, right? Yeah, I'm Alyssa. Something like that. And um, basically forces her to to do her will because she wants to take Rand, Matt, and Perrin yeah. and bundle them off to Tarval and Moiraine be damned, essentially. Um, And she does it very meanly and with great implications that if 
She's not helped. She will tell everybody that the two of them are dark friends, which mm-hmm. is super fucked up. Um, and so she just kind of sucks. But then, it, again, it doesn't work out for her. Right. So it's a, it's all this rising tension where you're right. like, literally at one point I was like, my heart is beating so fast. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. And then these last three chapters. Paragraphs. Uh, uh, excuse me. Paragraphs. Thank you. Um a fane oh my god and there's some dark friend letting him out and you don't know who and you're just like ah, this is this is where i just what? wrote like anxiety in all caps at the end of the chapter it's the worst it's the actual worst Ugh. robert jordan is so mean he is and then it goes into a horrible dream oh yeah nightmares nightmares just like absolute nightmare that like poor rand is having <laughs> And he, like, I don't, it's just awful. It's just, you know, memories of, like, when he was stuck in the farmhouse with his dad and the Trollocs. Only, like, Perrin is there and, and Fane is there saying it's never over. And, like, yeah. Baalzaman is there. Um, and then he wakes up and he's in Egwene's room sleeping on the floor. And Deneve is there knitting. Yeah. I do well. love the, I do love this. Mo- this is what it is. It's like he has all this like rising tension and rising panic and it's littered with these like really wonderful character interactions. Because mm-hmm. I do, I also really like love this moment with Nenave where Nenave is so, she's like, she's still completely on team Emonsfield. Like she's like, I will yeah. protect you. Like I will make sure that you are hidden. Like Egwene and I, you are, we are here for you. And they know about him being able to channel the, the power. Yeah. Um, ugh. And then he oh. like brings up Lan and Nene like for a moment like can't answer. And it's just like, oh, oh it's so wonderful. And then he calls her pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it is. The relationships are really what make this series I think so compelling over such a long period of time um he does and then well they do have this like great moment where they're interacting and Rand keeps saying Balzaman is dead he's mm -hmm. dead I saw him he died and Nene was like you don't know that like please stop like you're being an idiot and then he names him Mm -hmm. like he says Shaitan and the alarm goes off I know and he just, like, fucking takes off because he's, like, Egwene went down to see Fane. Right. Like, she might not be okay. We have to get to her. And I love yeah. how everybody is referencing how he just, like, flies like a bat out of hell through the women's quarters. <laughs> Which is not allowed for, no. first of all, for him to even be in there. Second of all, to have a sword out. Like, hugest faux pas of ever. Um, and then, so he finally makes it down to the dungeons to try to find her and she and Perrin are down there, knocked out, right? Yeah, he, like, kind of go, has to see, he, like, Trollocs have showed up. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, like, a Mirdral shows up, and Ingtar is fighting it, and Ingtar is like, no, I'll handle this. Like, it's already killed seven people. Go get Egwene. Like, I've got this, whatever it is. And Rand gets down to the dungeon, and there's blood everywhere. And, like, um, terrible writing and blood on the wall. Yeah, there's writing that says... We will meet again on Toman Head. It is never over, Althor. So presumably that was probably Fane, maybe, we think. Yeah. Um, and he freaks out and starts, like, scrubbing. And then freaking Leandrin shows up and is an asshole. 
and tries to compel him, and then Moiraine walks in and is like, what the fuck? Like, don't talk to my son! Yes, that's right! Um, and Matt, or excuse me, Rand finds Egwene and Matt passed out, and the big thing is that Egwene's fine, she just got hit in the head. Someone has stolen the dagger from Matt. Yes. Right, Matt does not have the dagger. Real bad, because the plan real, was real bad. they need it to be scares. able to, like, heal him. Um, and so he has to be healed by four Aes Sedai, basically. But there's a great moment where Leandrin is like, who are you to send this child to the Amaralyn seat? And Moirian's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I do what I want. <laughs> it's great. Oh, and then, again... Um, Lan is like you have to go. Like you have right. to get Right. Well, the hell but out but before here. that, there is this moment where um, Rand has. He's like, "Did I do this by naming? Mm-hmm. Ch- like, did I do this?" And then he's asking Angtar, like, "How did they get in when there was an order not to let anyone out? Like, how did they? The gates were ordered closed." And Angtar is like, "What are you talking about? There was no order." Yeah. And so you know, all of a sudden, that there's something else wrong. And then Varen and um. Another brown said I come down and see Trolloc like writing on the walls and are like, this is so interesting. I know Varen is such a character. And like there's just it's like this is all happening and there's like blood and human like body parts everywhere and like gore and just it's really, really disgusting. And then there's this moment at the end where, yeah, he's talking to Lan (sighs) And Lan is, like, laughing, and Rand is like, what is going on? Right. And Lan basically is like, you know what? Everyone's going to be fine. If you want to leave, you can leave. The choice is yours. Like, they gave the order. You're allowed to go if you want to go. Yeah. And then, of course, he doesn't go. He stays around. Which he wants to make sure it matter. Okay, yes. No, he's got a legit reason this time. Um... But we find out, of course, that now Matt, while they were able to stabilize him, will not live long without the dagger. Yeah. And we find out that the dagger and the horn have both been taken. Right. And then there's this whole Trolloc prophecy situation that Varen tells Moiraine and Swan about. Which is interesting because they keep asking if it's a prophecy. Right, that's true. They... I really liked that there's a discussion of what does and does not constitute a prophecy like in this section because the whole reason Moira and Suen are doing this is because of prophecy that yeah. that they heard from that Gitara Sedai. And so they, it certainly sounds like a prophecy, but it doesn't have to be, which Varen is very clear on. She's like, I don't right. I don't know. Like this is I can tell right. you what it says in translation. And it's this, like, kind of long poem that's very creepy and weird that has a lot of references to blood and and death and things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's super creepy. But they do reference the Daughter of the Night, who, of yep. course, they realize is Lanfear, who is one of the Forsaken. And they say, but the Forsaken, the Forsaken aren't out. They are, though. Except we know they are. It's not good. Uh, and then Varen drops this bomb uh, on page 109. She's like, oh, and, you know, the man who channels has to be one of the three oh, young yeah. men traveling with you. And they're just like, the fuck? Fun. And Moiraine are both like, fuck. And they, they do not do well in that moment. Like, no. they should have, like, Moiraine realizes it immediately because they both reach for the power mm-hmm. and prove her right, that her, her supposition was right. But before that, really quickly, 
um, there is one reference in the poem that we should mention, which is Isam, who Varen doesn't recognize, but Moiraine knows as kin to Lan. Mm. And she's, there's a moment here where we say, where she says, Isam had been bloodkin to Lan, or is bloodkin. I must keep this from him until I know how he will react. And so we have another moment of Moiraine holding on to information and keeping it so close to the vest, yeah. um, even from her own warder. You know, she yeah. says, like, until we are away from the blight, if he thought Isam were alive, and you're like, what would, would Lan... Is Moiraine afraid that Lan would break his bond to her mm. over this? Right. Like, right. it's just, it's really right. interesting. And then, of course, there's also a reference, as we said, to Ar- Archer Hawkwing. He was the mm-hmm. hammer of the light. And it says the seed of the hammer, which there is a lot of discussion in these chapters about Hawkwing's descendants. Yeah. And battling and whether or not they exist. Like, if there are descendants, we don't know which Varen brings up, like if there are descendants and they're battling and they're involved at Toman Head and this fight over the land there between two different countries, I guess. Yeah, nations, whatever. It's so much. There's so much. There's so much. Like, there's, there's so much and we're, we're, we're not, we've still got several chapters and, like, so much happens in those several chapters. But, like, yes, then immediately Varen kind of lets loose that she knows about the channeling. Yeah. And they're just like, well, okay. Um, but I love how that I love how they're like, she she's like, she's like, well, it would be really interesting to see the you know process of a man who can which, channel going mad. She's like, she's like scientific about it. In but a that's way. what yes. But what I what's really funny to me is Moiraine has this moment of like. Before Varen says the channeling thing, she's like, Varen doesn't, like, Brown said I, Varen doesn't even know what's going on in the world. Right. And then Varen says that, Moiraine's like, oh, shit, I misjudged her. Yeah. And then Varen says a scientific thing, and then Moiraine's like, oh, it's just about study. And I'm like, you don't think you should? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you just realized you misjudged her. That's right. That's right. And, like, I, it's, it's just... Check yourself. It's just, like, it's just so funny to see things now from Moiraine's perspective and see how fallible she is yeah. when in the last book she was this, like, staunch, like, could do no wrong, was there every yeah. step of the way and making the deci- the best decision she could in that moment. But now we're seeing, like, her own... Like, yeah. she has no idea the shit that went down with Leandrin, and we know she doesn't know that. Right. And she can't know everything, but she's mm-hmm. trying to. Yeah, yeah. She's like a squirrel with all these information. Her cheeks are just like bulging and just trying to fit more in and make sure nobody else can find them. Uh, And then we get a little bit of your boy Perrin. And then we get a little bit of my boy Perrin. It's not the best Perrin chapter. It's fine. It's fine. He like has this whole encounter with Leanne, which is whatever. I don't care about this. Yeah, he's like mad about Rand. He's like, he goes to see Matt. And it's really sad. Like Matt doesn't really know what's happening and he's like in bed he just doesn't he's not clear on how it's going i'm frustrated because the when rand goes to them to tell them he has to leave matt's immediate reaction is like all right we're all going together yeah we're gonna help you do whatever you need to do and that's why rand has to harry and the hendersons them right and so you see it's just so it's sad no and then he does have this weird interaction with leanne where she's like you know, you're pretty. You're you're pretty. Yeah. 
good looking. And you're like, okay. And you're like, Enough. can you guys relax? Everybody please? relax. And then Ran has to go see the Amarlin seat. Lan comes to him and is like, well, you didn't leave, so now you have to go talk to her. It's too late. And well, wait, 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 wait. Oh. They, he sees Perrin again. He yeah. has, like... I thought we talked about that already. Sorry. No, no, no. Rand... So, like, Perrin has this interaction with Leanne, and then Rand and Perrin interact, because Rand is like, I did go see Matt. I am a good friend. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And Perrin's like, mm, okay. I If you're, like, you're, you're highfalutin up there talking to your eyes to die. <laughs> I get it, my lord. <laughs> And you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then Rand has this interaction with Lan. Because right. Lan comes to tell him that he has to go see the Amarlin. And I think this is really important because it's another instance in which Lan is like, I'm going to tell you everything you need to do yeah. to have the best possible interaction with these these people because you are behind. Like, yeah. they are so far ahead of you. And you are coming onto the board and it is so immensely unbalanced that I'm going to give you whatever I can. And so he gives him the, like, gold cord with the the symbol of Manetherin. Listen, I, like, about lost my shit when he's like, oh, I had this pin made for you. And it's the red eagle of Manetherin. Like, this section is, I was so excited to talk talk about it because it's one of my favorite interactions in these first ten chapters. Because it's just so, like, he's... He is stepping outside of his allegiance to Moiraine. Mm-hmm. He's taking on this role of mentor, like you were saying earlier. And he's like, he's he's trying his best to give Rand some kind of footing mm-hmm. in all of this. And it's so endearing. It's like, I just can't even handle how much I love the character development that he's getting. Yeah, it's really nice. He's stepping into this role of father figure for Rand because he sees that Rand is floundering and he's probably yeah. the closest person to him right now because he's the one who's been giving him these swords, le- like sword lessons, fencing lessons. I don't know. No, it's not fencing. Sword. That's a different kind. Of- sword, sword fighting. Sword fighting. Like sword play. Sword play. There you go. <laughs> Um, is this also the first time we hear who is the actual captain commander of the White Cloaks, Pedron Nile? Maybe. I like this Probably. is this is one of those things where it's like Jordan does this thing where he's like, "Here's a name. I'm not going to mention him yeah. for 300 pages, but in like four books, he's going to be real important." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It might have come up in Bornhold section, but I can't remember. I, can't I remember. don't care about enough to look. Um, but they're all. But yeah, like, there are these yeah. great moments where Lan is, like, I am telling you all of this because you need to be able to stand up to the Amer- like Amarlin as best you can. You need to be yeah. as well-equipped as you can possibly be. And Rand keeps being like, but I'm going to leave! <laughs> and Lan's like, you still have to go talk to her. Right. <laughs> Oh, and then that whole conversation is so stressful. He does so well, though, which I really love. Like as they're walking, like Lan is making sure that he can like get through the door, essentially. And they they like kneel and Lan is not allowed in with him, which is hilarious. He's like (laughs) Rand's like basically like support, like his like support friend. Yeah. His emotional support. Have we heard the word Gaiden before? 
No, I think that was also recently introduced, which is clearly the word for warder. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, it is, was just it like, not new. you, Land Gaiden. And I'm like, who the fuck is Land Gaiden? <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then he gets in there, and it's Moiraine, Suin, and Varen. Mm-hmm. By necessity. Yep. Um, and, you know, he, he does exactly what Land tells him. Like, you have summoned me, mother, so I have come. I stand ready. He, like, kneels, and they're like, oh, ho, 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 Land has been in your ear. <laughs> And they basically tell him, you have a choice. You can yeah. you can do what you want to do. You can go to Ilion with your friends. You can go to Tarvalin. You can stay here by yourself. Like, whatever you want to do. And he's just like, ah, uh, you're not gonna gentle me? Like, you're just, he's so, he has no clue mm-hmm. what I, is going on. And then they drop that bombshell on him that he is the Dragon Reborn, which has, like, never crossed his mind up to this point. Like, we know that it was coming because we've seen other people make the references and Moiraine mm-hmm. says it at the end of the eye of the world, but Rand has no clue. And he like doesn't, doesn't want to, it. No, right? He he's very, it, right? not only does he not have a clue, he's very deliberately not thought about it. Like very yeah. specifically does not let his mind go down that road. And I love that we get the conversation so quickly, which is saying something for these books. Like, <laughs> It only took 127 pages to get there. <laughs> but seriously, that's like for, no, for it's true. right for something that ends the last book, like that that could have been drawn out this entire book. Yeah, and then oh my gosh, and then we get this whole origin like the complete origin story for Rand, which we haven't had before. <gasps> yes. And I'm like, Moiraine, you don't think you should have told him that?" <laughs> Oh, Not in front of the Emerlin scene. I know. I know. It's such a harsh moment because she's stripping away everything that he's clinging to so hard and he like he still doesn't want to believe it he keeps repeating to himself like it's not true it was a fever dream whatever but like at this point it's like he's just he's clearly knows at some level that this is real and mm-hmm. it's so crushing and, you, and they try to take feel... his sword and he's like no oh, this yeah. is my father's sword And it's just continually, like, repeating, like, I am Rand Althor. Like, that is who I am. Yeah. It is heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. So you can see why he has been so anxious and such a mess this whole time because it's been building to this. And he has been reckoning with that fear of losing who he thinks he, like, himself to be, essentially. And that is... Very, very scary because it turns out that Suin and Moiraine were the ones who heard the prophecy mm-hmm. by Guitar Sedai during the the war that Tam had gone to fight. Um, and that's where Tam found Rand in the, the dragon mount. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, poor, poor little baby. I know. I know. Oh, and then... We get Nynaeve, and this is a great section, too, because it's Nynaeve, like, sort of grappling with her own self-image. Like, who is she if she's not the wisdom of Eamon's field? But she is, but she's been away so long, and she feels guilty and conflicted, but she has to go to Tarvalin with a queen, and it's just like, oh, she's so... She's such a strong character, and I love to see that even, like, somebody with that much strength is also very torn about what the right thing is to do i mean that's what's kind of nice about all these characters is no one makes 
consistently the right decision. Like everybody makes calls that are wrong constantly. And so you're never in a position where you're like, why don't you just listen to this one person who has done everything right? Because no one has done everything right. Like even just before we get to Nenev, you have this moment with the three Aes Sedai being like, did we do the right thing? Like, we don't know, but like, we think so, but God help us when he learns to channel. (laughs) Like, this could all blow up in our faces horribly. And so... Yeah, like Nineveh starting with this thing of like, there's a storm coming, but there's no storm. It's like, mm. again, it's all about everything being off balance. And yeah. she gets this like desperate need to talk to Rand. And so she like sees him and she's running after them. And she's like, I, I, and like you said, fighting with herself in the middle of like, I didn't abandon them. Like, I had to go. Ugh. And it's and like, she- it's heartbreaking. And then there's this moment with Lan where he gives her the ring. I like can't. This is like my favorite part in the entire section where he like, she's so upset, and it's <laughs> this like great thing where he's like, I I didn't say, I didn't run you off. I told you that all I have for you is death, and I can't do that to you. Right. But also, here is this <laughs> ring. Yeah, I can't. It's and he like touches her cheek. (laughs) It's like it's so heartbreaking. It really is. I I was thinking about at this section how the comparison is gonna be made when this show drops of Game of Thrones and and all this stuff. And it's funny because like this is this book has no sex. So like we're almost we're 200 pages into the second book and there's like no sex in this book there's I mean there's there's more coming there's more coming but there's no there's very little of it now there's just these like very slight soft romantic moments yes yes like and even the gore and the violence is very clearly like the gore and the violence are from the darks the dark friends and the dark side and the like whatever and right and from even the 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 manic sort of like uh, children of the light, right? Yeah. Our main characters, our introduction, are are the people we are meant to be identifying with. It's not about them being like, can we trust them or not, or are they good or not, or whatever. It's like we're just following them growing up, which is really nice. Yeah, I think it's the difference between everybody being fallible. Mm-hmm. And everybody being 100% out for themselves. Yes. That is a very good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Because nobody is perfect. Like you were just saying, nobody is perfect. And they're like trying to do what they think is right, but they're often doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between the just nonstop, all-encompassing self-interest of the characters in Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones and the characters here. Like, yeah. are, you know, they have like a conception of moral right and wrong and obviously like game, i think they're two different honestly i think they're two different fantasy subgenres Agreed. because game of thrones is grimdark right like it's yes. very much trying to do the thing and there's no like humans are the monsters there are no monsters mm-hmm. in that world just other people who are behaving monstrously um whereas here you know all of the evil to a certain degree is externalized and then how you choose to interact with that evil makes you puts you on one side of this moral dividing line yeah yes i'm just waiting for all the 
terrible comparison pieces that are yeah. beca- that are going to be coming out and that shouldn't because like you said right. they're not the only similarity they have in my opinion is that they are fantasy right like, that's they're it. medieval-ish fantasy yeah. That's it. yeah outside of that the story is so vastly and drastically different and yeah. and the like the wheel of time is kind of about the inevitability of prophecy and and fate and the narrative Mm -hmm. and the narrative pulling you along and like you said the game of thrones is about the intrigue and the the selfishness of these characters and who just who gets to move forward Mm. (sighs) (laughs) okay sorry back back to back to lan and nanave who are so wonderful and heartbreaking and like Oh, I will make you a gift and then you will take it if I have to chain it around your neck. So they're they're disaster heteros. When he calls her Mashiara. I, I can't, I can't handle it. I like I can't like underline the like Mashiara, beloved of heart and soul it meant, but a love lost too. I was like underline it like Robert Jordan is like, get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> But it's He's so such a jerk. There is this moment where Neneve is so furious at Moiraine. I know. Because I she's like, she say, says, what does she say? Like, she has everything I want. Yes, I have. There's this, the interaction with Moiraine immediately after she and Lan have had this moment. Ugh. is just amazing. Um, and, and yeah, it is basically just like, she does. She has all the things that I want. And then she thinks. I will learn better than you think, and I will pull you down for what you've done. Like, and, she, her whole motivation to go to Charvalon is to learn the one power so she can fuck up Moiraine. Which is so wild, because, like, even there's a moment where Rand gets mad that Moiraine, like, ever came to them. He was, like, he's, he, th- and it's, the, the anger is so misplaced. Yeah. It's so misplaced, but Moiraine yeah. just is, like, if that's what you need to do, fine. Right. I am completely confident. Yeah. Fine. Be mad. Right. <laughs> yeah. She just doesn't. She's just like, that's cool. Like, go do you. Um, yeah. And then. Oh, gosh, we're, this we're is where I wanted so to talk long. to you. Like, Nanae okay. and Egwene have this interaction. Your, your, POV, your POV rule breaks. It's true. Well, it's been broken multiple times in this section here. I, it doesn't work at all because everybody is with Rand right now. Yeah. And so we're getting all of these different. So I guess it only holds true for the eye of the world. And now. But yeah, but this is like, I feel like this is a direct break in terms of like, we see Rand through Egwene's eyes in mm-hmm. when he is in front of her. Well, that's interesting. You're right. You're right. You're that right. is the I first like pure that. POV break because even like we get other other people thinking about Rand. Yeah. But the moment Rand comes onto the scene and moves back to his perspective, like Perrin. You're right. Yeah. But this is the first time I think I'm pretty sure where Egwene it's Egwene's POV and then Rand shows up and it stays in Egwene's perspective. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And yeah. I I wonder if it is because it's such an emotional moment. So we get to get, yeah. we've primarily gotten the interaction and the relationship between Egwene and Rand from Rand's perspective. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the last chance for us to get it from Egwene's perspective. That's true. 
I like this is where I had to put the book down. I like I read and then I went, oh shit, and then I went back and read it again because I was like, Jen. <laughs> I know it's so interesting. It is so interesting. I'm looking forward to discovering more of his POV rules in this book to see how he like what what he what he sets up for it. Um, and and because clearly everything is shifting. So yeah, yeah, I mean we have this like really like just sad moment between Rand and Egwene and it is just like a really lovely sweet sad goodbye yeah between the two of them and we get it all from Egwene's point of view because we've kind of already we know what we know how Rand feels so it's just really nice to see it from Egwene's perspective of like like she thought she heard him murmur I love you and then (laughs) oh it just like breaks my heart. Yeah. <sighs> so God. then they're, they're finally leaving, except that first somebody tries to kill Rand slash the Amerlin seat. Uh, it looks like it was the Amerlin, but we all know that it actually was for Rand, for Rand clearly. And then so we get like that intense moment, and I just want to talk about pacing for a second because so it's like okay, so we. We get, like, Rand almost getting assassinated, and then they're off on the trail of Padden Fane and the horn and the dagger. And then, like, suddenly we're in, you know, we're in Ilian, is it? With Bale Dolan? Oh, who God, like, right. You're uh, like, I was so annoyed. That guy? <laughs> like, I was so irritated because, like, you have this stuff happening with Rand, and he's, like, getting more and more isolated, and it's it's, like building to something and it's like nope now we're gonna talk about bail freaking doman right and you're and like how like... people keep trying to set him up and like he's getting all these shady jobs and people want what he has and he has all these secrets and you find out that like he has this heartstone and it's all like it's all whatever i guess it it is important i suppose to establish that there are forces at work all over the place, yeah, not just, just around. But it feels so abrupt and unnecessary to it's, me. It's the same way I feel about the Bor- the Bornhold whatever oh, section, yeah. where it's like, I get that you have to do it. Like, I get it. And there's not really a good place to do it, I yeah. guess. It just... It just interrupts the flow of story so intensely for me. And it felt like way more of a drag than the like info dumps in the last book felt like the last book. Like everything felt purposeful. Yeah. Like everything felt important. This book because I don't know if it's because it's a second book. And so it's like doing a lot more work to build mass story in a way that like Mm. I don't know what the story behind the first book is. Like I don't know if when it was published – they had a plan already. Right. Like, I don't know how the books were acquired. I don't know if they were like, okay, you're going to do three books. Or right. maybe it was like the first book did so great that when by the time he was writing the second book, they were like, okay, actually, we're going to do like 10 of these, you know? Right. Yeah. And yeah. so there's no. a lot more setup needed in this second book for stuff that's not necessarily going to pay off for a while. Like, I have right. no idea. But yeah. I did, I was just like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> like, it's it's a cool scene in terms of, like, yeah. the atmosphere is neat. I actually do quite like Bail Doman in yeah, terms of same, in this same. scene. Um, it was just more that I was like, I want to get back. The timing is so, yeah. Like, why are you making me read about this right now? <laughs> right, like, 
like Rand is finally leaving Faldara. Like finally, like we've been waiting 150 pages for him to get the hell out, and it's finally happening. And now we're taking a detour, right? And we have to hear about this guy who's being targeted by someone in politics we don't understand yet. Yeah. So like the the document that he opens that's like this person is a dark friend. I was like, oh okay, so you were betrayed, I guess. Right. Cool. Right, right. It's all very like it. Yeah, it it drops a lot of new information without much context. Yes. So it's just like, okay, I guess these are people and things, and now we'll learn about them later, maybe. Right. I don't like know. we get like, I guess in the first book they were really good about giving us whenever we got story, it was outside of the story we were reading. It was already contextualized by what was yeah. happening in the book. Yeah. This is giving a story without any context. Yeah, yeah. And it's really frustrating. <laughs> but yeah, so so then we return to this this like sort of tracking party. Yeah. Um, and and we get her in finally. I forgot him and then I was like, "Oh, I love him though." <laughs> I don't remember her in at all. Oh, really? At all. As- I did not remember him until he came on the page and then and I don't even remember why I love him to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I just had this like wave of happy nostalgia sweep over me at the mention of his name. <laughs> I do like this like um moment where they're like, We don't really tell the I said I about her in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we just don't need they don't need to know. It's yeah. fine. But so it's they're... not like he's using the power or anything. It's just, you know, they're weird about some things. So it's it's a reminder of the old ways, which is yeah. we know is coming back thanks to Perrin and the wolves and like what have you. Right. Um, right. But so they're tracking the party that has the horn and presumably Matt's dagger. Although Matt was yep. supposed to go on this trip to like help them too. And he doesn't really seem to be doing that right now because <laughs> they were like, you know, who can find the dagger? That guy. Right. It doesn't seem like he's doing much except being mad at Rand. Yeah, the whole I love the in the same way that the like running joke about like Rand and Perrin thinking that the other are yeah. good with women. The like Rand trying to like ride next to them and then like moving to the back of the column <laughs> and then he moves to the back column and then he moves to the front it's of the so column. It's so childish. <laughs> it is. It's so petty. It's hilarious. It is very very funny and it is. I mean, it's leaning towards like what. I think is meant to happen to Rand, which is he needs to be more and more isolated as a character um, just to make his experiences more intense, I think. Um, But so like this whole chapter is super creepy. They're following this party. They keep coming across these villages that are completely abandoned and they don't know what's going on they keep finding bodies of dark Ugh. friends and the trail keeps switching back and forth yeah so clearly there's some kind of weird power struggle going on of like we don't really understand why no. and then there's this moment in the in this chapter where they get to a village it's again empty i love this sequence where rand goes into the home and oh, he yeah. keeps he, he keeps glitching essentially yeah. and like um, seeing the same scene over and over and just before something horrible happened to these people. Yeah. And it's it seems like it's the only one it ha- – like he is the only one it happened to. Um, and then he comes out and the chapter ends when they see a fade nailed to a door. Right. Uh, in the thing. And you're just like, this is the creepiest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Seriously. Right? I it didn't make really that up. Is. 
it it's it's a lot it's a lot it's just so much and you know i had the feeling as i was reading it and like maybe judging by how long this episode is i am not wrong I, I feel like these chapters are longer. They are. Like, I feel are. like there's more happening in them than in the chapters in the previous book. Yeah, because this book isn't necessarily significantly longer than The Eye of the World. Um, but it has, like, five or four or five less chapters. It's just, I know that we asked, I know that <laughs> we asked if everybody is happy with the way we are doing things. I We also did have more because this had a prologue, so we we did technically kind of have one chapter more than we would have had otherwise. Um, but yeah, we're coming in in like an hour, like over an hour long, and now yeah. I'm like, maybe we should go down to like eight chapters. I was I was honestly thinking after, I, after how long it took me to read them, because I was just like, wow, this is taking way longer than I thought. I think there's more in them, and clearly there's a lot to discuss. So yeah, we might uh, need to only do, I think I think we should try eight chapters for the next Yeah, let's try eight chapters and see how it goes. Yeah, so we'll read chapters 11 through 17. 18? 18? 11, 12, 12, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, 18. So 11 through 18 for next time. Because, yeah, we didn't even get to the stuff about, like, Ingtar talking about the Isle War and, yeah, like, all yeah. that stuff, which feels important. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lord. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. There's a There's lot a happening. Lot. So much. So much. So uh, much. Yeah, okay, so... You can keep a future, no, you can't keep a future. You can keep an eye out for future episodes. Um, every other Wednesday is kind of how we're doing it. And like we said, next time it'll be chapters 11 to 18, not 11 to 20, because we cannot, My like literally my voice is going, I think. <laughs> um, and you can usually find it, like we're on Twitter doing hashtag Tarvalin or bust for all the discussion purposes. Yes. Uh, and thank you so much to our Patreon supporters who we polled and who said that they liked how the show was going. Thank you for saying that. We really appreciate it. I uh, want to shout out each and every one of them. Olivia K., Joshua S., Caitlin P., Nicholas E., Michelle S., Michelle D., Danae, Destination Toast, Kat, Jericho, Saber Bouquet, Thomas, Elizabeth, Emily, Evans, Ola, Yulia, Matthew, and Brian. And if you would like to become a supporter, that would be awesome. Our only level is a dollar a month. <laughs> we're, we're just working on paying our, uh, you know, server fees. And if we can get some extra fancy stuff, too, that's nice, but not required. Um, and you can go to patreon.com slash Tar, Valen, or Bust for that. And a big thank you to Brian Dunn, fellow Wheel of Time fan and musician. And also you should check out the interview we did with him last week if you have not already done so. Um, because he created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at briandunnmusic.net. That's Brian with a Y and Dunn with two N's. And if you are enjoying this show, please do leave a rate, rating and or review on the podcast platform of your choice. We got our first Apple podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. It's really Thank nice. so much. It was so nice. We really do love to see that. And it does help other folks to find this show, which is also cool. Um, and in between shows, you can find us on social media and our other podcasts. Preethi, where are you? Uh, I am on social on twitter.com slash run with skizzers. Also Instagram and Tumblr. Same thing. Um, 
That's Run With Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Uh, I also co-host the podcast called Basic Geek Girls with Swapna Krishna, which is a lot of like Star Wars and Disney and just kind of geek culture stuff from a South Asian feminist perspective. Um, and you can buy my books if you want uh, at preethechipper.com. There is a link for books. You can check that out. And you can find me mostly on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's I A M J E N N I R L. And I podcast for Book Riot on the SFF Yeah podcast and Get Booked. And that is our very long first <laughs> episode about the Great Hunt. Bye. Yes. Bye. Bye.